Oh, Lord, we need your help. We need your help both to speak and to listen. Lord, not for our glory, but for yours and for our enrichment. Lord, as we consider these words, help us to be mindful of the period that we are in and help us, O Lord, to find application. In the name of Jesus, we pray and all God's people say, Amen. Here's a truth for all of us. The truth is this, that there are many things that you and I and all of us have in common. One of those things is that all of us have faced some kind of trouble or the other in our lifetime. Likely many times, and perhaps even now, some of us are confronting some sort of issue. Uncertainty, difficulty, feeling of abandonment, betrayal, squeezed on all sides, financial challenges, whatever. Been there. Done that. The book that forms the basis for our three-part series, Habakkuk, is about a people, Judea, who were being overwhelmed by a strong army, the Babylonians. Undoubtedly, dreams were dashed. Aspirations were put on hold. Loved ones killed and some enslaved. Just total chaos. Things were going in a direction that they could not have anticipated. In chapter 1, which we considered last week, we found that even though even faithful believers sometimes doubt God's character and question his ways, in the midst of challenges, in the midst of difficulties, even God, even faithful believers, sometimes doubt God's character and question his ways. And we found in chapter 1 that Habakkuk was doubting God's character and questioning his ways. In verse 1 of chapter 2, we find that Habakkuk was determined to understand what God was doing. God, what are you doing? All of these challenges that, that we are confronting with these ungodly people. We, 
We ourselves, we're not perfect. We can acknowledge that. But what's happening here? Why are you permitting those who are much worse than we are to bring judgment on us? And in this verse, verse 1 of chapter 2 of Habakkuk, where we ended, Habakkuk said, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he, that is the Lord, will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So here's the picture. Habakkuk sees all of the misery and suffering around him and and he says, listen, I'm going to approach God about this. And I'm not going to move until I get an answer. I'm going to see what he will say to me. And now we come to the remainder of chapter 2 where Habakkuk receives his answer. The answer the Lord gave to Habakkuk during this period of testing and the answer that he gives to us by extension is this. The righteous shall live by faith and the wicked shall perish. The response that the Lord gives to Habakkuk in the midst of trying times and by extension he gives to us is this. The righteous shall live by faith and the wicked shall perish. In a moment we are going to read portions of chapter 2 of Habakkuk. As we do, I would like us to bear in mind that the essence of this chapter after Habakkuk sets out on the nation's problem is, as we said, that the righteous, you and I, believers, are to live by faith, not by the circumstances surrounding us. In other words, God made clear to Habakkuk that his perspective on life, the way he ought to view life, the way you and I ought to view life and life's challenges and circumstances is through a different prism. We ought to live, we ought to see life's challenges. Not through the prism of ups and downs and challenges. But our perspective must be different from the world's. That's what the Lord says to Habakkuk during this difficult period, and that's what he says to us when we are going through difficult periods. How are you viewing it? What is your perspective of the events that are occurring in your life? that would seek to bring you down, how are you viewing those events? Are you viewing them the same way the world is? 
or you're doing it differently. Let's now read Habakkuk in sections. The first section that we're going to consider for the first portion of our message today, verses 2 through 4, forms the basis of our first point, which is the righteous shall live by faith. These verses, verses chapter 2, Habakkuk, verses 2 through 4, forms the basis for our first point. The righteous shall live by faith. And although this section actually is shorter than the remainder of the, par- the, the chapter, this section holds the bulk of what we as believers ought to hold on to. And it's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. Listen to what Habakkuk writes in chapter 2, beginning in verse 2. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For shall the vision, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. It is striking that the Lord's response to Habakkuk, who is concerned about an invading army, is the righteous shall live by faith. Imagine that. An invading army, and the Lord says to him, listen, the righteous shall live by faith. He didn't tell him about some modern armament that he might take up. He didn't tell him to gather all of the people, all of the men in the city to fight and to war against the Babylonians. Instead, he says to him, the righteous shall live by faith. And in these verses, we see a number of important elements of what was to comprise this faith about which the Lord tells him. The first thing we see here in these verses, is that it's, we see the object of the faith that the Lord speaks about. And here we see that the Lord says about this faith that it ought to be something that is written, which tells me that it was to be specific. The Lord says, write it down. Do you see that? He says, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. So the Lord is, what the Lord is doing to Habakkuk now is he's saying, you are confronting this issue. 
But I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what's about to happen. And I want you to write it down. And your faith is going to be anchored on what I am about to tell you. The Lord said to him that it's something that is going to be specific. And he said to him further, make it plain. Make it plain. Make it specific. Write it down. Make it plain so that it's understandable. So that those who will share it, so that those who will share his word can run with it and declare it to the people. Simple and easily understood. To what end was it to be written and to be made plain? So that those who heard it may run with it and spread it to others. And then we see here a second element of this faith. The Lord says to Habakkuk in summary that you need to persevere in your faith. He says you need to endure in your faith. Here's how he says it. In verse 3 he says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. He says these things that I'm about to tell you, they are going to happen within an appointed time. And you know, if you're like me, you know the Lord is still working with me as it relates to patience. And the Lord says to him further, it hastens to the end. It shall not lie. This thing that I, I'm saying to you, it's going to happen. It's not a lie. And then he says, if it seems slow, wait for it. He says to Habakkuk, listen, tomorrow and the year after, the decade after, if you don't see it happening, if this invading army is still there, know that this word that I'm telling you will come to pass. You need to persevere, is what the Lord says to Habakkuk. If it seems slow, wait for it. That's the message that the Lord would have us to hear this morning as well. In so many different areas of our lives, seems slow. Things that we have prayed about, things that we have read in the Bible about, and we know that they are ours because of what the Bible says, but they don't seem to be happening fast enough or at all. The Lord says, it hastens to the end. It will not lie if it seems slow. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And then there's a third element of this faith that we see. 
in these words of Habakkuk. We see a certainty of our faith. There is certainty to these words. Because the one who is the author of these words is God himself. There's absolute certainty. He not only knows everything, he controls everything. And the believer's faith is not in his faith, but the believer's faith is undergirded by God himself. He is the one who brings it to pass. He is the one who makes it certain. It's not you or me. It's not the extent to which we can conjure up and hold on to our faith. But rather, and aren't you glad about that? I know I am. I am because you talk about Habakkuk. Been there. Done that. Many times. The author of the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, verse 1, that Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. It is, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is. We must live You and I, we live in view of our faith. Here we see the source, the author and the sustainer of our faith. The Lord himself delivering this word to Habakkuk. We also saw the characteristics of the things that form the basis of our faith in these verses. And we also got a glimpse of some of the enemies of our faith too, if you were paying close attention. Why would God give his people this vision? But let's step back a moment about the enemies. We saw that doubt. We saw the time passing. We saw that impatience These things could derail us and cause us to be very unhappy during a period when the Lord would wish us to bring our burdens to him and to leave them there. But why would God give his people this vision? Why did God give this vision to Habakkuk? I believe that there are two fundamental reasons, real basic, so that they would not live in fear. That's number one. So that they would not live in fear. They would know that ultimately God's got this. God is in control. He is the sovereign one. He's the one who knows all things. And he's the one who controls all things. And secondly, I believe that God gave them this vision 
so that their expectation, expectation is not circumstantial. Your expectation is not based on things that are happening around you. Rather, your expectation is based on the things that God says. How many of you realize that if your expectations are based on the things that you see and that you experience, you got to be like a yo-yo up and down every single second of every single day because things change. Things change rapidly. How many of us came into 2020 with plans and aspirations? And a few days later, things change. Circumstances change. There are two additional things I wish us to consider about this section in Habakkuk. Verse 4 helps us to see that the righteous must live by faith in God's word, God's promises. In this instance, the vision that God gave to Habakkuk. There's no other way. There's no other way that the righteous can live. The Bible teaches us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The second point that I want us to see, additional point I want us to see, is that this truth about the righteous living by faith is an enduring, an everlasting reality. This did not end with Habakkuk, is the point I'm making. It endures, it continues to this day. We see evidence of this in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, where the apostle Paul writes, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. So we find these words both in the Old and in the New Testament. We don't get to live differently. Our hope and our expectation are anchored in the promises of God. And that's why we gotta get to know this. We gotta get to know His Word. Got a question for you. What about you today? What about you today? Are you living by faith? Or are you allowing the circumstances, the challenges of the day to overwhelm you? Habakkuk's vision is not only that the righteous will overcome, but that the wicked will be judged. That brings me to our second and final point. To make this point in this chapter, 
the Lord pronounces five woes on the Babylonians. Each one setting out their sin and noting that they will face consequences. Before we briefly consider these, let's remember that this was an invading army. This is what you need to hear now about this. This is really interesting. This was an invading army enjoying the spoils of the land. And no doubt, it seemed to them and everyone who would observe them that they were doing well. That they were victorious. That they were the top dog, as it were. Yet the people of Judah were being commanded to live in view of the promise that the Babylonians would be brought low. Even if it took decades for that to happen. Now you and I got to admit, we got to admit that that's not an easy position to be in. That's not easy. How many of you know that God does not have a short-term view? That's the challenge if there's one that, that you and I have. And yes, it is. We have to acknowledge that we are fallen beings. That we like things done quickly, instantly. It's true. Listen, I speak for myself then. I like it done right away. When I see a problem, I like to knock it out right away. But we have to acknowledge But most times, that's not the way it works. Let's take a look at what the Lord tells Habakkuk will happen to these, this invading army. Begin in verse 6. Lord says, Shall not all these take up their taunt against him? with scoffing and riddles for him and say, woe to him, it's the first woe, woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long and loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be for them spoiled. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. For the stone will cry out from the wall. And the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him. Who builds a town with blood. And founds a city on iniquity. Behold. Is it not from the Lord of hosts. That peoples labor merely for fire. And nations Weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. 
as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you. Another shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence of the earth to cities and all who dwell in them. What prophet is an, is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple, that all the earth be silent before him. The Lord tells Habakkuk that these people who are invading, who I've, who I have allowed to plunder this land, that they will be punished. And you can write that down and look forward to the day when that happens. The Lord says to them, woe to them, woe to the Babylonians who are conquering cities, as it were, on loan, which would have to be repaid. It's as they conquered all these cities. It's as if they are borrowing, they're pledging, they're borrowing, and, and, and at some point, they're going to have to pay it back. And they're going to be embarrassed in the process. Woe to the Babylonians who are seeking through their conquests to shield themselves through ill-gotten wealth. In other words, the Lord says to them, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to amass all of this wealth so that they can build large structures to protect themselves. But the Lord says it's not going to work. It's not going to be enough. It's not enough for us to think that we can amass ill-gotten wealth so that we might preserve our future, is what the Lord is saying. I condemn that. Woe to them. The Babylonians, woe to them for their injustice. Woe to them for the way, the manner in which they treat their neighbors, neighboring countries. And woe to the idol worshipers. Woe to them. They are condemned in the end. And as we conclude this message today, what we see in Habakkuk 2 is not dissimilar from the gospel and the judgment to come. As believers, we are commanded to live in view of a future promise 
the return of Christ, mindful that there is coming a final judgment for those who do not believe. That's our promise. And that's what we live for. The return of Christ. And we live in view of that. You and I ought to live in view of that. God says it, but he's going to return for his church. And it's been many years since he says it, since he said it. But you and I ought to be, as the Lord says to Habakkuk, we ought to live by faith. And for those who think that they are getting away with murder, there is coming a final judgment for them, for those who do not believe. Let us pray. Lord, cause our hearts, cause our hearts to be quieted even as we encounter things and circumstances that are not desirable. Cause our faces to set like flint towards the return of your son Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would open the hearts of those who do not believe. even, Lord, as they think that they're on top of the world. Open their eyes so that they might see the truth, the certainty of death, the finality of death, and the certainty of a judgment to come. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.